passions this year, I hope it has been yours as well, is that we want to experience spiritual growth in our personal lives, not only in uh, growth in numbers and, and growth in more, reaching more people, those are all good things, but uh, in our spiritual lives. The first law that we talked about is a very simple but yet a very important one. God is God and we are not. That's an important law for us to understand. The second one, God doesn't need us, but we so desperately need him. Uh, law number three, what God demands, he supplies. Law number four, what you seek, you find. That's what we talked about last week. Each law covers a part of our relationship with God and leads to a personal response in our Christian life, or certainly should. Once we know that God is God and we are not, we submit ourselves to his authority. You see how that works? And we recognize that what he sends in our life, uh, what he deems uh, is appropriate for us, we're going to accept it simply because we know he is God and we are not. Uh, once uh, This principle then leads to worship and praise. And then when we, des uh, we realize how desperately we need him uh, and he does not need us, I mean, he, is, he has created us outside of him. He does not need us to survive. Uh, then we also understand the logical response is to confess our sins and cry out to God for mercy. This law introduces us to such concepts as sin, humanity, and the importance of prayer when we realize how desperately we need God. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We are damned eternally without him and his gift of salvation. Then we get to the good news of the gospel in the third law. The third law uh, talks about how we eat, reach out with empty hands, uh, the hands of faith to receive what God offers, what God demands he supplies. Amen? Uh, that, was a, that was one of my favorite studies of these so far, realizing that God puts a demand on us that we cannot give, we can't fill it. There's nothing we can do to fulfill his demand of sinless perfection for heaven. So what does he do? He makes a demand and then he supplies it in his son, Jesus Christ. What a blessing that uh, fact is for us. It, it leads us to a deep confidence that God will give us whatever we need, uh, mercy, grace, when we need it. It provides us with hope in the hard times. It leads us to respond with a life of glad obedience to God who has been so gracious to us. Now, I want to read tonight, uh, before we get to the next one, Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to start reading at verse number 24 of Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes here uh, to learn something that will be a, a, a specific assistance to our growth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Moving on through the laws, the fourth law brings us into the realm of spiritual motivation. The fourth law we talked about last week is what you seek, you find. That a, was a hard truth. If you were here last week, we kind of beat up on ourselves last week a little bit, didn't we? It was a tough one for us because we had to come face to face with the fact that we're as close to God as we want to be. We have as much of him as we want. Because it's available to us. Seek him and you'll be filled, the Bible says. And so what you seek, you find. This destroys our excuses. 
it challenges us to seek God and His kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Here we encounter the power of the Holy Spirit and the importance of our daily choices. Uh, the, we understand that, that, uh, that uh, God is God, we are not. God doesn't need us, we desperately need Him. What God demands, God supplies, and then it brings us full circle to the fact that if we seek Him, we'll find Him. What we seek, we find. All right, now we're going to get to the fifth law. This moves into a whole new area. Uh, and we're talking tonight about faith, as you probably imagine, as with the script we read. And here's the fifth law. Active faith releases God's power in your life. Active faith releases God's power. Now, the word faith is probably one of the most prominent words in Christianity. Faith refers to our personal response to God. The faith we talk about in the fifth law is not a religion. It is not a set of doctrines. Rather, it is our daily, moment-by-moment -moment trust that we have in God. When our faith is put to work, God's power is made manifest in and through us. Now, we know from Hebrews chapter 11, in fact, you can turn there, you probably got your Bible open to it. Look at verse number 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Did you hear that? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. It is impossible to please God without faith. We must have it. And active faith releases His power. No matter how religious you may be, friend, if you don't have faith, you cannot please God. Now this may come as a surprise, to folks who have trusted in their religion to get them to heaven. But God looks on the heart, and what God looks for is faith. He wants to find that in each and every one of us. Luke chapter 18, verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? He is going to be looking for it. You can get baptized. You can join a church. You can become, uh, or you can give your money. You can read your Bible. You can sing in the choir. But if you do not have faith, the Bible says you will not please God. Faith matters more to God than anything else that we say or do. Now, what is faith? Well, faith in its purest form is believing God. That's really how I like to boil it down and just to its simplest form. It's believing God. When God says something, we believe Him. I... We can use many different examples. Uh, giving is one of the easiest ones for us to look at when God tells us to give. Uh, and then he promises to bless. Uh, when we believe God, that if we give, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. By the way, very misused verse. That verse is not given to all Christians. That verse is not given to all believers. That verse was specifically given to believers who gave. And he said, but my God shall supply all your needs. Now, if we believe God, it will lead us to do what he said. And that's where faith comes in. We believe him and we do what he says. Faith is never meant to be a one-time experience. Salvation is not a faith one-off. We have faith to get saved and then we don't have faith anymore. We talk about accepting Christ. We challenge people to respond in faith to the gospel invitation. And that's all great and it's good. But sometimes we think that we're saved by faith and then the rest of life is all up to us and that's not the case at all. The same faith that saves us 
is the faith that keeps us from day to day as we journey in the, through this life. We can use salvation, by the way. We just use giving. We can use salvation. I believe God that I can't earn my way to heaven. I believe God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that leads me to do what he says. Uh, faith is not that complicated. It's just believing God and doing what he says. I sit in a chair because I believe that it will hold me. Most of the time it does. Amen? And so that's the kind of, that's all faith is, is just believing. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith in Romans 1.17. The whole Christian life is one of faith. We're saved by faith, kept by faith, we walk by faith, we endure by faith, and we serve by faith. We obey by faith as we believe God and what he says. Let's look at faith defined a little further. In the entire Bible, there's really no clearer illustration than Hebrews chapter 11. Most of us even call it the hall of fame or the hall of faith. Uh, you have people listed there that are, uh, that are known for their faith. Now, we have a long list in this chapter alone that introduces us to people that uh, introduce with the phrase, by faith, by faith Abel, in verse number 4, by faith Enoch, in verse 5, by faith Noah, in verse number 7, by faith Abraham, in verse number 8, by faith Isaac, in verse number 20, by faith Jacob, in verse number 21, by faith Joseph, in verse 22, Moses' parents, in verse 23, by faith Moses, we just read a few minutes ago, in verse 24, by faith the people, in verse 29, by faith the walls of Jericho fell, in verse number 30, by faith, Rahab the harlot, talked about her this morning, verse 31. They and all the heroes of the faith are described and summarized in this fashion by faith. He, now look at, down with me at verse number 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, Turn to flight the armies of aliens, of the aliens. Now that's a great summation. I mean, that's exciting. That is like a list of superheroes right there. They did great things because of their faith, but that's only part of the story. Go down with me to verse number 36 here, or verse number 35. Women raised their dead to life again, and others were tortured. That's where I want to start. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection and others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings yea moreover of bonds and imprisonment verse 37 they were stoned they were sawn asunder were tempted were slain with the sword and wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute afflicted and tormented that's not as good an advertisement as the first verse we have of faith is it all of a sudden we realize that sometimes uh, people have to endure much punishment the writer simply calls them others these are others that live by faith. These men and women were living by faith just as much as Noah was. They were living by faith just as much as Abel was and the others that were listed. Uh, their faith was not weaker. In fact, if, you, if anything, maybe their faith was stronger because they could actually go to their death in it and endure incredible suffering. They were not lesser saints because they found no miracle, but what they did, they did by faith. And this is what won God's approval because when he comes, what is he looking for? Faith. He wants to find faith on the earth. Living by faith often means moving against the tide of public opinion. Well, we find that today, don't we? If we're going to do right today and stand for right in our society today, then we are definitely going to have to stand against public opinion. But look at some of these. Noah built an ark. You say that's no big deal. Lots of people have boats. It had never rained. 
ever. Okay? It was foolish to build a boat out in the middle of dry ground because it had never rained. Abraham left Ur, uh, his whole family, everything. When it was time for him to take it easy and kick up his heels, he left Ur and uh, began a whole new life. Moses rejected Egypt. We're going to talk about that, so I don't want to jump ahead. Joshua marched around Jericho. Now we, we read that story, and we don't even think twice because we know the ending. Yeah, that, sounds, that makes sense, marching around the city seven days. That makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Not at all. It makes no sense if you're going to take the city. And yet he did it. He did it by faith. The same thing is true today. Uh, we're sometimes going to, sometimes we look at uh, Enoch or Noah or Joseph or Moses or David, and we say, I could never do that. We have the misconception of thinking that a life of faith is restricted to a few special people. That's the whole beauty about Hebrews chapter 11. These were normal folks. They were just like you, and they were just like me. They had problems. They had issues. They had a lot of, and that's one thing I like about the Bible, it's brutally honest about its heroes. They had feet of clay, just like we do. We think that we could never qualify to have our names added to the list of Hebrews 11, but that's the very reason this chapter is in the Bible. We see ordinary men and ordinary women who did extraordinary things for God because they had faith. They believed. They believed God. Abraham, uh, we talked a little bit about him a couple weeks ago, Genesis 22, went to slay his son because he believed God. Uh, God said, I'm going to give you a great nation. And he gave him one son to do it with. And then he said, I want you to kill this son. And Abraham, uh, you said I'm going to have a great nation. There's only one way I'm going to have it. That's through Isaac. Now I'm supposed to kill him. Well, we know what the story, God stopped him, but Abraham did what God said because he believed God. He had faith. This is tremendous. Hebrews 11.1 1 offers this concise description if you want to look back. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance is a word that refers to the essential nature of things. In fact, that's what the original word means. It was sometimes used as the foundations of a house. You've heard it, probably a preacher describe it as a, platform, a foundation, something you stand on. That's the substance, the idea here. Faith is the title deed to things in the future, things that are hoped for, things that are promised by the Lord. It is the confident assurance that what we hope for one day, absolutely for sure, will come to pass. The Bible calls it a sure hope. The word evidence refers to a legal uh, proof in a courtroom. Faith is the proof of the soul that enables us to see things that cannot be seen by the eye. That's another way of saying that. Faith is a, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By faith, we see what would otherwise be invisible. Now stay with me. This will start making a little more sense in a minute because I want to get to the application here. There's a sort of righteous discontentment that we have sometimes in living by faith. You want some things that you don't have, uh, and to have faith, uh, we have uh, faith because faith deals with things that are hoped for. Now, if you have everything that you want right now in your life, everything you need and desire, you have it. If for you, all the promises of God have already come true, if you have reached a state of spiritual perfection, your hands down. If all, if all of your prayers have been answered, 
if all of your loved ones are serving the Lord and doing right, if you already have total victory over sin, well, you don't need faith. You're already living in heaven and you just didn't realize it. Amen? Otherwise, join the rest of us. We're not there. Uh, if you desire more growth in your Christian life, if you want to be closer to God, which I hope we all do, we need faith. We need faith. Active faith releases God's power. As long as marriages break up, as long as children suffer, as long as our leaders disappoint us, as long as there is wickedness in the world, we will need faith because the things hoped for still have not come to pass. We're still waiting the things hoped for. What then is faith? Think about these three words to help define faith. Believe, see, do. Uh, faith believes what others do not believe. Faith sees what others do not see. And faith does what others do not do. True faith is never passive. Uh, true faith moves us to act, to do. True faith moved Noah to build an ark. True faith, well, you look at all of them listed. They, it led them to some kind of action, to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. True faith inspires us to walk around our Jericho and continue to do so until those walls come tumbling down. That's faith. Now, I hope that we'll, as, as we've given some of this groundwork, let's look at faith illustrated in the passage that we read in the case of Moses. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because he was esteeming the reproach of uh, Egypt, uh, I'm sorry, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than all the treasures in Egypt where he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, the Bible says, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, seeing him who's invisible. Notice the five words. I like to sometimes go through a passage and pick out key words to help just drive home the point of where he's going. Here's five words that tell his story. Refused, chose, esteemed, endured, seeing. He said no to something because he chose to do something else. He made that choice because he regarded God's promises as true. He found the strength to endure. Here's an interesting one. Because he saw him who is invisible. Everything that hinges on that first word, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This was a life-changing decision for him. He received an Egyptian education. He had a great future in front of him. He had everything at his fingertips. He was royalty. He was raised in the lap of luxury. He had everything he wanted. He had everything that most people wish they had. Here's the irony of it all. When he got there, he gave it all up. Give it back. Refused it, the Bible says. Let it go. By any normal standard, that makes absolutely no sense. Notice how the text puts it. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. Here's an interesting point. It does not call them Hebrews. It does not call them the Jews. Uh, he did not make his decision based on a racial or ethnic basis. These are my people. This is not what he did. Moses stood in front of the Egyptians. He essentially said, I'm not one of you. I've never been one of you. I may look like you. I may act like you. But deep down in my heart, I'm a different person. I'm a follower of the true and living God. If they will be hated, I will be hated too. If they're going to suffer, I will suffer too. I'm going to cast my lot 
with the people of God. I like the way that's said. With one act, Moses com committed career suicide. Completely. Gave it all up. And he found the strength to endure this persecution. That word endure is there. Because, and here's the kicker, he saw him who is invisible. Let's just think about that statement. That's, that's impossible, you know. Because how do you see an invisible person? If you see them, they're not invisible. If they're invisible, you don't see them. Uh, but God was invisible, and yet Moses saw him. How? Two words. By faith. He believed, and that's what he saw. It changed his life, because active faith releases God's power. And that's what faith can do. So what exactly did Moses see? Well, there's the world he can see. Uh, he could see the world of money, power, pleasure, fame, self-gratification, the world of Egypt. That's the world where Pharaoh ruled as king. As far as the Egyptians knew, that's the only world there was. But then there was, and there is, another world as well. There's the invisible world, uh, the realm of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the angels, the saints. That's what the verse last week we talked about, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. It is a world that's ruled by righteousness. It is a world that is entered by grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who live for this world here will have a reward of what this world has to offer. You'll live 50, I was going to say 40, but I don't like that number anymore. You'll live 50, 60, 70, 80, maybe even 100 years. You'll have as much fame and wealth and power as you can accumulate, but your reward from this world will only be enjoyed in this world. You can't take anything with you. It is only, uh, the rewards of this world are only in this world. So, when they die, all that they live for will die with them. They'll be buried in a box and they'll have nothing to show for their time on earth. But, and that but makes a big difference, those who live for the eternal world have, will have a different experience. They'll suffer a little in the short run. This is what Moses is talking about here. But when they die, the good times are just beginning. They'll enter into the joy of the Lord. Somehow, Moses knew all this. He saw him that is invisible. The pleasures of sin didn't measure up in Moses' eyes to the joy of serving the Lord. Even if that meant putting up with a bunch of cranky, stubborn Jews for all those years before he'd go to heaven and be with the Lord. For him, there was only one choice. Now, if he'd have stayed in Egypt, I'd be preaching about somebody else tonight. <laughs> he would not have made it that choice. You understand, that's why God used him. That's why we know him. That's why he's a great man. That's why he's in Hebrews 11. Because he simply believed God. And he made the right choice based on that belief, based on that faith. Uh, the question is tonight, uh, for you, in which world do you want to make your mark? You have the option of Egypt, or you have, like Moses, you suffer with the children of God for a while, and then uh, have recompense of the reward. If you want to make it big in Egypt, have at it. You'll have your reward, but you won't ever be happy when you get it. It'll never satisfy. Man, just look around and look at the wealthy and the famous of today, and you see that wealth is, and fame does not satisfy. That was a really happy group at the Academy Awards the other night, wasn't it? They just seemed like a really joyful bunch. Uh, that doesn't satisfy. 
Nothing this world has to offer satisfies. If you want to live for the next world, it might cost you something in the meantime. Faith sees the invisible. Faith believes the incredible. Faith receives the impossible. This is what seems to fit Moses' experience. So, let's apply it. As we, uh, we can draw here three important conclusions about the nature of faith. I'll try to hurry and finish here. Number one, faith is not a feeling. It's a conscious choice to believe what God has said. Uh, get that. That's very important for us to understand. In that way, faith is kind of like love. It's not something you fall into. It's not a feeling. It's a choice that you make. If Noah, <laughs> if Noah had waited till he felt like building the ark, he wouldn't have laid the first board. If Joshua had waited till he felt like walking around Jericho, can you imagine the embarrassment of taking your troops and walking around the city? That's embarrassing stuff. Building an ark, can you imagine the newspaper articles, if they had them, written about uh, Noah building an ark out in the middle of nowhere, waiting for water that had supposedly, he says, and get this, he says, he says, water's going to drop from the sky. I mean, this is crazy talk to anybody. Today we understand it, but they had never seen it before. He didn't wait till he felt like it. He just did what was right because he believed God. Feelings are important. I like feelings, but they're not the basis of our decisions and our obedience to God. They're not the basis of our faith. Number two, faith acts even in the face of doubt and opposition. If we wait, listen to this now, if we wait until all the circumstances are in our favor, we'll never do much for God. David did not wait for Goliath to get old and crippled. That would have been easier, wouldn't it? Wait till he's 90, then I'll take it. No, he didn't. He took the opportunity the day he met him, and uh, he walked down the valley to face the giant. If we wait for our doubts to disappear, to act on our faith, we'll never act on our faith. One important reason for that is because doubt is an element of faith, or it's not faith. If it's if, you, if it's in front of you and you see it, it's not faith, then it's sight. But doubt is really a part of faith. Doubt is belief, or faith is belief, and then having doubt, and then acting despite your doubt. The best example for this is in the Old Testament with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember that story? They're standing in front of the king, and the king is a nice guy, so he offers them an out. He says, I'll let you have one more chance to bow to my image, We'll let the music play again, and if you do it this time, I'll forget that you ever stood, and I'll let you, bow, uh, I'll let you uh, back in my good graces. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I can't remember the exact words, but something along this line says, O king, God is able to deliver us. He said, we will not bow, God is able to deliver us. And I love the next three words. But if not, and they said, we're still not going to bow. So they had faith, they had a little doubt, and they still did right and didn't bow down to the image. That's what faith is. Faith is doing the right thing despite the doubt. Now, have you ever, we go back to giving. Giving's a, a, something I've struggled with in my, when I was younger. Praise the Lord, it, that's uh, something I don't struggle with as much anymore. But uh, there's been times in my life when giving took a little faith. It hurt. It was hard to give what I felt the Lord need, wanted me to give. And, uh, and it, to believe that God will supply and to give 
and there's doubt, but what a blessing it is when we obey. Amen? What a blessing that is. Sooner or later, we have to act on the belief part. Abraham did. Moses did. Samuel did. All the heroes in this chapter did. They acted on the belief part because active faith releases God's power. And we see God do great things when they had faith. Number three, faith sees what others do not see. Philip Yancey put it this way. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Think about that statement. Believing in advance what only makes sense in reverse. So many things in life make no sense to us at the time. We want to know why things happen the way they do. We all have those questions. By faith, though, excuse me, it might, by the way, it might, uh, it would be wrong of me to tell you that faith will answer all your questions. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we go forward anyway, not knowing. By faith, we believe those things that make no sense now, but one day it will make perfect sense. That's the way we ought to live. Now, did it make any sense to anybody who's watching Moses make this decision? Turn down everything the world has to offer. Say, nope, I'm going to go on the backside of a desert and be a nobody. And then I'm going to suffer with God's people. Turn all this down. Makes no sense. Uh, but it did later, didn't Looking back, it makes a lot of sense. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. The world says seeing is believing. God says believing is seeing. It makes the difference, faith. We believe, therefore we see. That's why we can say where he leads me, I will follow. What he feeds me, I will swallow. Amen? We give whatever the Lord does and we just by faith accept what he gives us. Faith is following wherever he leads. Here's a little acrostic. You might want to write this down for faith. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all I take him. We just choose him. That's what Moses did. He forsook everything and he chose him. And what a great, powerful, uh, impactful life that Moses had. Why? Because active faith releases God's power. You see it all throughout the people in Hebrews chapter 11. I think we can safely draw three conclusions about those who live by faith. You're going to see great triumphs, and you're going to endure great trials. Anybody who lives by faith. You'll be misunderstood by the world, but you'll always be glad you did in the end. That's what faith will give us. Our call is not to understand everything about what Christ asks us to do, but to follow where he leads, whatever it costs. And the word of Christ to all of us is always the same. Come follow me, just like he said to the men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden. He always calls us to him. So trust him, put your life in his hands, and have faith that he will do what he says. If we simply believed God and took him at his promises and then lived accordingly, it's really what living by faith is, is believing him and putting it to practice. Faith means taking the next step in front of you and leaving the rest in the hands of God. Active faith releases God's power. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Moses. I wonder if our names will be added to that list. By faith, Pastor Yoda. By faith, Pastor Nick. By faith, Brother West. By faith, Brother Jeremy. Wouldn't it be wonderful if our names could be added to that list? And it doesn't mean that we're something super special or that you're something or that you have to be something super special. 
You just believe God. See, faith is available for everyone, even Rahab. Rahab, I guarantee every single person sitting here tonight under the sound of my voice has a better resume than Rahab did. Everybody. And she's in this chapter because she had faith. She simply believed God and she acted accordingly. What a blessing. One day, uh, I hope that our names might be added to a list of men and women who live by faith because active faith releases God's power. Father, we thank you for this challenge from Scripture. We pray that we might live.